Good morning and welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. I am Andy Griffin. Thanks for tuning in. I'm actually a little ways from home right now. As you can probably tell, I'm calling on a phone line. I am in Austin, Texas. This is the... I'm calling it a, a coming home of sorts. I grew up down here in South Central Texas, and uh, yeah, I, I've gotten to see some of the places from my youth. We'll talk a little bit more about that later on in the show, but it's time to bring in Brian Hyde. Brian Hyde, of course, uh, our weekend guy, sort of here. He's got his own syndicated television show, but we run Brian Hyde show every Saturday and Sunday, 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., and Brian Hyde brings a voice of, uh, well, the... Uh, I was going to say discord. I don't know if that's the right term, Brian. What do you think? Reason. The voice of reason. Reason. <laughs> <laughs> and modesty. Yes, that too. Reason and modesty. Yes, yes. I, those are two good things. Uh, Brian, first of all, but before we get rolling, have you ever been to Texas? I'm in Austin right now. Have you ever been down here? Never been to Austin, but I've been to San Antonio and Dallas-Fort Worth. So, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful state. Yeah, great place to be. Uh, we uh, we had a, a, a weekend of gluttony. I probably committed some kind of sins here because all we did was uh, the, the entire purpose of this trip was to come down and have barbecue. And nobody does it like Texas, in my opinion. So I, I know you're a barbecue guy, but uh, if you get a chance, you ever get a chance to go – uh, down to Austin, there's like four or five places that are epic, and <laughs> I, I highly recommend. And, and you know what? They cook. Uh, they they don't use pellets down here. They use wood. They you know they they use wood to cook their meat. So good stuff. So you're going to give us some of the details, or have you already been giving details of your your feasting activities? No, I, I have not. I have not given many details. Um, I will tell you this. Texans don't mind waiting in lines because what happens, so, you know, what we're used to, Brian, is you go to a restaurant and if they're busy, you'll put your name on a list and then you can go and sit. Some places will give you a little pager. Other places you just got to sit in their their little lobby or whatever, and, and then eventually they'll call your name and you can go in. In Texas, at least at the barbecue places, you show up as early as you feel like you can get away, you know, you can get away with. And you stand in line, and they bring you in, you know, one at a time or two at a time. For us, there was four of us at a time. And you go and you order your food first, and then you go sit down and you eat. And uh, and that's the way it is. And so uh, there are some places we waited in line for half an hour or, or ten minutes even. Uh, but there was one in particular place. It's called Snow's Barbecue, world famous. In fact, they were ranked number one in the world in barbecue. Uh, we went there. They open at uh, 8 a.m. Yes, barbecue at 8 a.m. We went there. We got there by 5 a.m. because we were told if we showed up after 5, we would not get any food. Oh, and that's the other thing. They do their barbecue until it runs out, and then you're done. They're done for the day. And so uh, we got there at 5 a.m. We were in line. Finally got to – we were 89 through 92 in line. And we finally got to the food. At uh, at about uh, nine o'clock or so, nine fifteen. So about a four hour wait to get food, and uh, I gotta say, it was not only was it worth it, but it was an experience because the line wraps around the building by their big, huge five thousand gallon smokers and everything, and it's misty and cool. And I almost expected to see a guy with a hockey mask jump out from behind one of the buildings with a chainsaw, but that never happened. Man, that sounds like quite the experience. So I, I have to ask, what did you try? I, a brisket is an, is obvious. Could you describe it for yeah. me slowly? 
<laughs> well, one thing is that Texan, Texans, uh, they, they don't mess with their brisket. It's, it's basically kosher salt and pepper. And if you put anything yep. else on it, it's not Texas brisket. And they let the meat, the flavor of the meat carry itself. And uh, I've had some phenomenal uh, brisket. Uh, the my, By far, me personally, and this, these, the other guys here don't necessarily agree, but by far my favorite thing of the entire weekend was a beef rib that we got at a place Ooh. called Mueller's. Uh, and it's, it's uh, you know, you think about regular, the ribs we eat are from, from pigs, right, pork. Uh, the beef rib is from the cow, and it's, well, four of us, it took four of us to eat one beef rib. That's how big it was. And uh, it it was absolutely just unforgettable, almost life changing. I don't, I mean, you, you know, you, you're having kids, getting married; those are life changing. This is not quite there, but it's close. It sounds like something out of the Flintstones. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of like make make your car tip over. It was it was so big, but uh, it was it was un, it was really really good. Now, uh, I, I was kind of excited to learn that several people here uh, in Texas and couple of guys i travel with have a pit barrel cooker as well which you and i both have a pit barrel cooker and gives the meat such good flavor and and so it was kind of it was kind of fun to find out that uh, we're, we're we're doing things you know pretty well too uh with what we do so uh, i don't think Brian, there's, a, there's a really wrong way to do it uh-huh you're right and and, and that's one of the things everybody keeps saying here is look there's a science to to smoking meat, but there it's an art form too, and, and and there's so many different ways to express yourself and stuff. So, yeah, uh, Brian, I did want to talk about, if you don't mind, uh, just for just a minute, uh, a great article that you linked to on your show notes from uh, Robert Higgs: uh, Twelve Myths Fueling Government Overreach in Times of Crisis. And I got lost in this. I started reading this, and I, you know, I'm supposed to be getting ready for the rest of my program this morning and everything. I started reading this article. I'm like, man, this guy is, this guy is spot on. I love some of the things in this article. And I don't know if you, you got a couple of minutes. If you want to call that up? We can talk about some of the myths because a yeah. lot of it reads into yeah. kind of what we've been talking about every Monday for the last, you know, six months. First and foremost, I think uh, Robert uh, Higgs. It stands out to me as somebody who sees things with a lot of clarity. He's the guy who coined the phrase, the phrase, uh, the, the ratchet effect, as it applies to a crisis. And that's where government ratchets up its power and ratchets down our freedoms, you know, to deal with the crisis. But when the crisis is over, it never quite returns to its original state. It kind of stays, you know, that tension remains, and government stays a little bit bigger, maybe not as big as at the peak of the crisis, but it always seems to, to tighten down rather than loosen up government's control of the people. And then he goes on from there to list 12 different myths that uh, bureaucrats, politicians, and, and people who support them will use to, uh, to advance uh, fear-based policymaking. Making. Now, I don't know if we have necessarily time to go through all 12 of them, but maybe if you can hit some of the highlights of some of your favorite ones. Uh, the very first one jumped out, jumped off the page at me. Nothing like the present situation has ever happened before. That's a myth, Brian. It is. And, and people who study history, even if they're casual students of history, you don't have to have a Ph.D. in history, you'll recognize that, that the calamities and the different crises that come up are really nothing new in the sense that uh, people have faced worse and more and still come through. There are lessons to be learned. 
but uh, but government tends to treat things like, well, nothing like this is unprecedented. I mean, how many times have we heard in these unprecedented times? And then that's usually followed quickly by something like, unless the government intervenes, this is just going to get worse and worse. We can't stop and think about it. We have to do something. Doing something is better than doing nothing, which I think if, if we really would have looked back over the last year closely, I think doing nothing, at least on the part of like shutting down entire sectors of the economy, probably would have been the wiser move. Um, and I say that only because there were, there were countries like Sweden and, and others who didn't lock down tightly. Let the, they gave good information to their citizens, let them make their decisions, and they weathered the storm no worse than the ones that did lock it down tight and ended up destroying people's freedoms and businesses in the process. Let's talk a little bit about, Brian, about our reliance on government. It seems like to me that that, that is at the heart of, one of the, some of what he's talking about is, is we have become, as a citizenry, uh, we have a problem, and instead of going, okay, how can we fix this problem ourselves or how can society maybe address this, we immediately go, well, there needs to be a law. There needs to be a rule against it. We've got to fix this. Uh, you know, and, and, and it happens now with almost everything that happens. If there's a shooting somewhere, well, the government's got to do something. If there's, uh, yeah. you know, accusations of racism, the government's got to fix that. If there's, I mean, it, you know, mask. Well, the government needs to tell everybody they have to wear a mask. And I've had, you know, I've had people on my show, including Dr. Blod, say the government never should have stuck its nose in this thing. It's true. You know, and, and he's right. It's, there's the presumption, hey, government officials know best. They have information the rest of us don't. In reality, though, they don't, Andy, because they don't know what's right for you and your situation, and they don't know what's right for me and my situation. And there are tens of millions of people who have different factors that they have to bring into play to weigh the risks and weigh the rewards before they can make an informed decision. Government's really good at creating a one-size-fits-all approach and hammering it down on everybody from the top down. But... That relies on us to give our, our trust to the establishment and, and those who are attached to it, which includes a lot of activists and lobbyists and hangers-on, for, for the expertise to deal with the crisis. And, and that's not to say that they can't contribute. They, they most certainly could. But the problem is when they do, it tends to become mandatory instead of just, here's what we would suggest. You make your mind up if that's what you want to do. Well, and, and you said that word, trust. And, you know... I grew up pretty naive. I trusted the government was always going to act in my, my best interest. I, I thought, you know, the government is good, and the government's goal is to make my life good or at least make it so other people can make my life worse. And I've come to find out as, as I've matured through adulthood that you can't trust the government. You can't trust the leaders. There are too many of them, and, and I'm not saying they're all this way, but there are too many of them out there in our government, local, state, federal, who have ulterior motives. And that's not, that's not fair. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you could say that's not fair, Andy. You can't judge everybody the same. I'm not judging them. All I'm saying is if I throw my trust into uh, you know, the, the mayor, the, the city councilman, the county commission, whatever, uh, eventually something inside of all those politicians is, is going to let me down, I feel like, Brian. Oh, if you, want, if you want to have disappointment, put your faith in a politician. I don't care. Even good politicians will disappoint you occasionally. And that's, that's the nature of politics. Bad politicians will take that trust, though, and run with it and use it to, for instance, spend trillions of dollars that they borrow with the promise that you and your children and your children's children will be the ones paying it back. 
they don't feel the repercussions of those actions. They're sheltered from the, the consequences that they create for other people. But that's, that's part of that. Hurry and do it now. Don't think about it. Just sign right here. Buy the car. Worry about it later. One of the things in this article, again, by Robert Higgs that you linked to, good, good stuff, by the way. The website is lourockwell.com. I just search for Robert Higgs. But uh, he, he talks a little bit about progress. He kind of it, – it's veiled a little bit in what he's talking about. But, but if you read into it, he talks about how when things like this, this these crises, that, the crisis that we're in happens, uh, the government doesn't want progress, doesn't want new things and, and innovations. The government wants things to stay – like they are for, in my mind, nefarious reasons. Any, any thoughts on that, Brian? Yeah, and, and maybe it's just, you know, the nefarious reason may just be, hey, they're protecting their turf. They want to make sure that uh, nothing mm-hmm. innovates into existence that, that could threaten their hold on power. And how about money now? Uh, you know, we have a, a caller that sometimes likes to call, and he always says, well, the government's policy right now is never let a good crisis go to waste. You know, when, when you can advance your policy uh, and, and get the money, you, need, you know, money, fictitious money really has been pouring out from the government now uh, ever since this, you know, ever since this pandemic started. Uh, and, and I am, I am for one, Brian, in, incredibly worried for the future of my kids, of my family, of my, yes, my state, but also my country because they just keep throwing money out, out and about, and they're using the crisis as an excuse for that. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sickening. And you look at, I think, the, the infrastructure bill, for instance, that the president has proposed. Um, some of that will go to infrastructure, which, you know, we can agree, hey, you know, good, solid bridges over canyons and rivers and, you know, good roadways and waterways and electrical systems. That's good. But about two-thirds of that, uh, what is it, $2.9 trillion dollars, is actually going to politically connected friends and companies and and Mm -hmm. fellow travelers within those political circles. So, yeah, they're borrowing all that money because we're dealing with a crisis, but isn't it strange how much of that money is actually being uh, spent or being uh, divided among their buddies, their cronies? I had a friend that told me, he said, just once I'd like to see every politician, at least the big ones, the congressman and and, and the, the cabinet and the presidency, I'd like to see who holds stock in what, you know, who, who has Pfizer stock and they need to keep this thing alive so that Pfizer can keep our Johnson and Johnson or whatever. Just once I would like to see transparency, transparency and find out what their real motive is, what their ulterior motive is, Brian. And I, I guess that's never going to happen, but uh, holy cow. Yeah, it's, I, somebody suggested, and I think this is actually a pretty good idea, these uh, Congress people should be wearing uh, sponsor jackets like NASCAR drivers have. So we know who's, who's, who's keeping them afloat, who's putting the money in their pockets, and whose bidding are they doing. It's, uh, and we've talked about this before, but it's unbelievable that lobbying is actually legal, that the whole goal of a lobbyist is to wine and dine and bribe, uh, yeah, bribe uh, politicians to vote a certain way, why is that legal, Brian? Well, because they voted to make it legal. I mean, if you, if you and I were to try to take advantage like that, we would go to jail. But there are exemptions and exceptions for those who hold public office, and, and, and they take full advantage of it. By the way, folks, uh, the BrianHydeShow.com is the website. Uh, you can hear his show live streaming. You can, you can listen to his podcast. You can 
uh, listen to him on KDXU, 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. Saturdays and Sundays. So we've got five hours of the Brian Hyde Show here on, on KDXU. Uh, another article that you link to in your show notes said, uh, pretty much fascinates me. Uh, Jordan Schachtel, is that how you say his name? Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. this is on AIER.org, and uh, he talks about one of our favorite and beloved figures in our country, the ever-lovable Anthony Fauci. Ah, uh, yes. And, and look, I, I don't put much trust in what, what Dr. Fauci says, and it's not because I have you know education superior to his. I look at uh, the way that he is always in front of the cameras, that uh, he, he clearly enjoys being seen as, you know, essentially one of the saints who walks among us when it comes to uh, COVID information. But his information doesn't match up with the facts. And there are at least 50 different studies out there that show that lockdowns do not have the intended effect of, of slowing the spread of the virus. They just don't. So uh, Dr. Fauci seems to have found a love for the camera, more than 300 media appearances in the last year. And it makes you wonder, okay, ostensibly this guy is the top, you know, epidemiologist in the, in the country. When does he find time to ever look at the, the data? He's too busy, you know, getting his makeup done and being cued for his next uh, interview. One of, the, one of the tweets on here that linked in the article is that asked why, Fauci was asked why Texas, with no statewide restrictions, hasn't seen a surge this spring, unlike other states. His answer, it's not the mandates that matters. It's a behavior, and Texans are simply behaving better than people in Michigan. It's just... Do tell, Andy, are the Texans behaving themselves? Are they all masked (laughs) up and socially distanced and staying home? Uh, let's see. There was one place, a grocery, it was a Walmart that the, everybody had masks on because that was the policy of that particular store. Everywhere else I've been in the state of Texas, ain't no masks, no masks. Yeah. So yeah, he, he doesn't, he doesn't do any favors to his credibility when he does that. And it's, I'm not trying to render judgment on his soul. I'm just saying it's curious how Dr. Fauci's pronouncements always seem to reflect whatever the will of the political class is versus, you know, what the actual facts and data seem to be showing and what uh, what is actually in the interest of the people who have lives to live and businesses to run. And, you know, we were talking about transparency of where the money is. How about we find out who, who, how much stock Dr. Fauci has in some of these drug companies and, and, and whether he's working on a book and, you know, if he gets paid for his appearances. I kind of get a feeling that he made 300-plus appearances in the last year. He probably got a few dollars out of that, don't you think? Yeah, and, and in addition to, as I understand it, he is the highest-paid employee in the federal government. And I don't know where that puts him, somewhere around half a million dollars a year, but that's not bad money for, for somebody who, you know, gets shuttled around like royalty and spends most of his time, you know, throwing out the baseball, if you can call it that, at, you know, <laughs> baseball last year, or, uh, you know, just doing interviews. I mean, he's making bank, but he's doing it to, by upholding other people's agendas, and that's the danger. When you take expertise and you attach it to an agenda, it's very easy to mislead people, and in my opinion, that's exactly the, the role he is serving. He's done very well for himself, uh, ratings-wise, uh, and yet the guy that's supposed to be the one whose number one motive is to take care of American people's health, to be an expert on this disease, has flip-flopped so many times that, I don't know about you, Brian, but I don't trust this guy as far as I could throw him or as far as he could throw a baseball. There you go. That's, a, that's the best analogy I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> 
TheBrianHydeShow.com, again, is the website. Brian Hyde is on every Monday on this program, but you want to catch his full shows, man. They're awesome. 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. Saturdays and Sundays. And uh, we just a little little taste today of some of the things that Brian's going to talk about during his program. Any other thoughts? Everything going all right with the show, Brian? It's, it's great, and, and I, I so appreciate that we get a chance to visit each Monday, Andy. I'm jealous. Just know I'm very jealous that you're in Texas eating barbecue. Um, I wish I could trade places with you, but I trust you'll, you'll carry on in, in, in all of our places and enjoying the good life. i got to figure out how to get some of this home. That's, that's my only complication right now. So thank you, Brian. I wish you the best of luck. Thanks, Andy. All right, talk to you later. 9.31 on News Radio 890, 94.9 KDXU. We'll take a quick break, check into weather, and then I've got a special guest, a, a barbecue guest, if, if you don't mind, when we come back. Welcome back to the program this morning. Thanks for tuning in. If I sound a little different, it's because I'm coming to you via cell phone from... I don't know, about 1,500 miles away. I am in Austin, Texas right now. We're getting on a plane later this afternoon, and we'll be home uh, for tomorrow's show. But, uh, yeah, we we went on, um, well, we're going to call it a, a trip of gluttony. Uh, I got uh, approached a, a good buddy of mine, Troy Paul. He's here. Hey, Troy. Hello. Make sure your mic is up. And, and Allie, if you'll turn down the, uh, never mind. You know what? I'll just kill it right here. Let's kill the music. Okay, so. Uh, Troy approached me and he said, you know, I got, I got the uh, opportunity to go to Texas. Uh, can't take my wife because we don't have anybody to watch the kids and wondered if you wanted to go down to Texas and, and have a weekend of barbecue. And I was like, nah, I don't, don't want to do that. <laughs> I did not say that at all, did I? That sounds not like something you would say. Yeah, that doesn't sound fun to go yeah, on this barbecue horrible. for yeah. three days. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I I have to admit, I have not been to Texas, at least not to South Texas. I've been through airports in Dallas and stuff, but I've never been to South Texas since we moved away from Texas in 1980. And so 41 years later, I am back here in Texas, and uh, it's, uh, it's an amazing thing. We'll talk more about that in a second. But So Troy approached me and said, hey, yeah, let's go down to Texas. Uh, I'm like, yeah, why not? Let's try it. And so and then he and I got looking into things a little bit. Uh, and number one, if it was just two of us, a lot more expensive than if we had more people to help out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, and a couple other guys that are friends of ours, uh, kind of, I don't know if they invited themselves or we invited them. I don't know how it happened, but, uh, Kay Boardman, who has the high voltage barbecue, uh, trailer and, and has an amazing brisket. Mm-hmm. And then Todd Bullock, whose wife is Susie Bullock. They run the Hay Grill Hay, uh, website. Uh, uh, got on board, and the four of us came down to Texas, and we've had how many how many barbecues, Troy, in in three days now? Oh, let's see, we've done about seven so far. Seven, and we have two or three already uh, for today before we get on the plane. Yeah, we've got three or four. Three or four. Okay. Yeah. So we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll see how many we can squeeze into our little journey here. But yeah, it just kind of came together. It was it started as kind of this fantasy dream trip of mine yeah like it's not really gonna happen yeah i yeah. could just go and eat barbecue for a few days but you know in my profession of course is you know barbecue store owner but we i talk barbecue all day every day huh. with customers and and so it just by natural I'm conversation like a little bit closer now oh, there we go okay there we go. Yeah. yeah so just by natural conversation with a lot of uh, our customers then we're talking about all these great barbecue joints and the place that 
places that keep coming up are right here in Austin, the mm-hmm. Central Texas area. And so I'm just like, man, one of these days I'm going to get out there. I'm a barbecue guy, and I've never even been to a lot of these barbecue joints. And, and so you had to tell these people, hey, uh, why the best barbecue places, where are they? And you're like, well, here, here, and here. And they're like, so have you been there? And you have to say, uh, no. Nope. Nope, I haven't been there. <laughs> and, I, and I was sick and tired of it, Andy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So now you've been to a lot of those places. I talked with Brian a little bit earlier on the program about uh, our experience at a place called Snow's. And I tried to paint the picture, but maybe if, if you want to talk about from, from your perspective, uh, Snows is in a, in a little town called Lexington, Texas. Uh, I mean, and if you think about town, we're talking about silos and, and uh, giant water tanks and, and where, uh, warehouses and barns. And, and we had to get up kind of early, Troy. It was, it was what a surreal experience. We had planned out beforehand where are the best places to go. There's a periodical in Texas called the Texas Monthly that deems the best 50 barbecue joints in the state. And they put this list out every four months? Every four years. Four year, oh, four years. Yeah, it's like, like the World Cup said. It was 2017 that the last, um, last one came out. And they're going to do another one this year, I believe. But so number one, on more than one occasion, has been Snow's Barbecue in Lexington, Texas. So it's already got number one on the status of this list, which is a very prestigious list. Texas is barbecue. Mm -hmm. And so to have the best barbecue restaurant in the state you could easily say that's the world, and that's what they kind of claim. It's the world's greatest because it's in Texas, and that's our world. <laughs> it's, like, it's like saying the best convenience store in Utah, you know, the best Maverick. <laughs> I mean, there are so many of them mm-hmm. that, that to be able to make the top 50, much less to be the number one, is, I mean, you know, it's got to be, I mean, it's just phenomenal. And, and, and so because they're so good and because of that list, both, uh, it created a situation where they are incredibly popular. And then a couple of things added to the fact of their popularity, or at least their difficulty to get their food. They're only open once a week, one day a week. I mean, you, if you are not familiar with it, it's a Netflix program, it's called chef's table. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of a documentary style food show that it talks about some of different places from around the world that just serve amazing food. And they highlight on season one, episode one, is this Snow's Barbecue. It's the very first intro to this whole series. And they highlight the life of a woman named Tootsie. An 80, now 86, she just had her birthday. Now, now folks, you're thinking barbecue, you're thinking, you know, some guy with a big, long beard and muscles, he's wearing a leather apron, his muscles are rippling, and he's covered in sweat. Snows is run by an 86-year-old lady that any of those guys would just bow down and worship mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. she is the legend. She's the, the Michael Jordan of barbecue here in Texas. I mean, larger than life kind of a thing, but not her personality at all. She's just this cowgirl mm-hmm. from a, a small town in Texas that is just a hard worker. And, and by the way, it's worth noting, you mentioned hard worker, She's not 
like a figurehead, oh, we have this representative of what barbecue is, this 86-year-old woman that sits in a wheelchair. No, 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 no. She is there involved in the day-to-day, minute-to-minute operation of this huge barbecue place. And she shows up at maybe 2 in the morning and works all night. And when I say works all night, it's, it is work. She's Hard working hot. over these pits. Yeah. And, yeah, and right now it's a beautiful time of year, but she does this. She's been doing this for years every week. She shows up, and during the week, then she's like a custodian at the local high school. <laughs> so, I mean, Monday through Friday, she's got her day job that she does, and then she goes and comes in on the weekends. Like I said, just she's just this legend in Texas barbecue and has this little joint at Snow's Barbecue, number one overall. And so when we got there, and, of course, we left our, our little Airbnb here at about 4 in the morning yeah. to get you know, make a drive for an hour. And, and by the way, I'm a guy who hasn't worshipped at the at the house of barbecue my whole life. So mm-hmm. when you guys were telling me, "Hey, we got to go really early," I was thinking, oh, "Okay, so we got to go like at 7 a.m. or something." And then I got here, and you guys, okay, uh, so it set your alarms for you know 3:45. I'm like, "Wait, what?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's called the bait and switch, Andy. Yeah, That's yeah. What we did there. <laughs> so yeah, we left about 4 a.m. to drive to Lexington, Texas. Go ahead. Yeah. So we so and just out of the movie. And so if you watch the chef's table, then it, it kind of builds it up and they make it very cinematic, of course. Mm-hmm. But it was, I have to say that the show was maybe less cinematic crazy. than the actual experience. And usually it's just like, oh, okay, well, this isn't anything what I expected. It's almost exactly how it was. And so we're there. It's pitch black in this small town. So there's not light, not even like street lights, really. Mm-hmm. The only lights you could see are kind of from behind this building, so you can see this faint glow coming from behind the pit with and, the smoke coming out. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And by the way, we parked like a block or so away and walked up the front side of the building, so there was the glow back there, but I'm sitting there going, you got me up at 4 o'clock, 3, three whatever in the morning, and there's nobody here. You, <laughs> you guys, you, you punked me. me. Yeah. I really thought you guys had pulled one over on me. Until we turn the corner. And part of that is that we parked a block away because there's other cars. Right. You don't see the people. You're just like, you know, what are, you know, what are these cars? They're just a bunch of cars. So you yeah. get to the front. You can see the smoke coming up and once again in, like, mm. the night. It's, you know, 5 o'clock in the morning, then pitch black everywhere. But a little glow behind it with the smoke coming up. It's just, just like a legendary kind of a thing. And you, you see the front. And you see a few people at the front of the building. You're like, okay, thank goodness there's a few people here. Yeah. And as you go and see that line, you see that it wraps all the way around behind the building. And, I mean, like around the block, the the line starts to form. We get in, and within an hour after us getting in line, I mean, 100 people back. Yeah, we're we're 89 through 92, Mm -hmm. and we got there at 5. We got there at 5. The, the line just kept going. I mean, we got there, thank goodness we got there when we did, or yeah. else an hour later those guys aren't eating. We didn't got any food, yeah. And, and so, yeah, just this really cool experience. And, and you, right as you go around back to where we were kind of set up, um, our little camp there, then you see the pit masters just going at it, and it's just smoky and dark and with, you know, with just a few little lights back there. And then you see kind of like the legend Tootsie that's working on her pits there. And she's just moving hot coals around with her shovel there, just going. 86 years old. 
Yeah, and she's been working all night. It's just amazing. It was, we were kind of comparing it to, you know, watching Michael Jordan warm up. You know, <laughs> you, you want to yeah. see him in the prime of his career. And, like, the, well, the whole last damn thing, you, you go in, I'm going to show up early so I can see Michael Jordan in his prime, even warm up. That's kind of what it was like. You're just sitting there watching her get the barbecue ready. Epic experience. And then... As soon as it, you know, it opens, then they're just letting people in one at a time. Really slow-moving line. And uh, finally you get in, and, you know, everyone's ordering as much barbecue as they can because yeah. they've committed to it. And, and we did. $100 worth. Yeah, and it could have well, been it could have been much more because we knew that we had five other joints on our <laughs> list that day. Um, but, yeah, it was it was just, just incredible. Um, all right, Troy, i got to get a commercial break in. Uh, interestingly enough... As good as Snow's was, I think we all agreed that actually wasn't the best barbecue we had this weekend. Yeah. So we'll talk about that when we come back. I'm talking with Troy Paul from the Barbecue Pit Stop, our barbecue pilgrimage. Some of you are going, why are they telling you? It's, it's, it's just, you know, something you got. If there's something you love and something you believe in and you have passion about, give it a little time. Give it a little Give it a little bit of your time and effort and uh, – it will pay off, and and uh, I miss my wife terribly. I miss my kids, but this was something that was a, more, a wonderful experience. Anyway, we, we got to get a commercial break in more with Troy in just a second. Let me talk about Joe Shoney for just a second. Joe Shoney is a loan consultant, and what he does is he makes sure that you as a customer are taken care of. Not a lot of loan people will do that. A lot of them will be like, all right, sign here, and I'll give you a call when it's time to, to finish or whatever. And, and then you get a phone call, you know, it's 3.15 on a Friday afternoon. Hey, you got to be here in 37 minutes or else you lose the house or you don't get the loan or you don't get the interest rate or whatever. That's not the way Joe Shoney works. Instead, he said, keeping you with texts, with emails, with phone calls, apprised of everything all along the way. His name is Joe Shoney. He's a loan consultant. His specialty, again, customer service. Call him today. I'm giving you his cell number. It's 435 he earned 4.96 out of 5 stars online. Doesn't really get a whole lot better than that, not even for barbecue when you can get that kind of score. Again, Joe Shoney, 435-590-6300. We'll take a break. When we come back, more barbecue talk from Austin, Texas. Thanks again for tuning in today. Andy Griffin's show here on News Radio 890 949 KDXU. And uh, uh, I'm with Troy Paul. Troy is the owner of a, the Barbecue Pit Stop. That's just off the boulevard. It's about 300 East behind Napa Auto Parts. Uh, you can't get barbecue at the Barbecue Pit Stop, but what you can get is just about anything you can think of so that you can make your own barbecue. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about it. Although on occasion we have Cade with high voltage barbecue bring his trailer by and and you can get barbecue at Barbecue Pit Stop. Yeah, so. stay tuned on Facebook for those things. Yeah, we're going to definitely definitely uh, promote that when, when that comes back around. And, of course, uh, the other guy we traveled with, Cade, and then the Todd Bullock from Hay Grill Hay, uh, fascinated to learn his story. Now, I had him on the show, him and Susie on the show a couple of weeks ago, but uh, here's a good old boy from Cedar City. You know, in Cedar High School, uh, just, you know, was going to be an accountant and uh, – well, life has something a little different in store for, for Todd, and now he and Susie, have, uh, they have one of their videos. I, I said $300 million, I think, the other day. $100 million, though, views for one of their, I think it was their first one, their beef jerky video. Yeah. $100 million. Incredible. That's incredible what they've done. 
amazing yeah. stuff. So great people too. So um, let's talk a little bit more about our experience. So, so on uh, it was Saturday morning, was it? We got up at four. Yeah, yeah. Saturday morning. I've lost track of we, time. Yeah, we came in Friday night. Got one one uh, barbecue joint in Friday. Salt Lake, which was good. It was, it was good. It was really good. Yeah. Um, more of a traditional restaurant type setting. Uh, the the Snow's Barbecue, uh, deemed by many to be the best barbecue around, not a restaurant setting whatsoever. You stood in line forever and ever. You got down and they had a few picnic tables and you claimed a spot and wolfed your food down and then left. I mean, was, although I bought a pie on the way out the door. But uh, anyway, uh, we were able to experience over the next, you know, from starting with Friday night all the way through Saturday night and, 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 and through Sunday, we were able to experience some, some barbecue uh, that it was mind blowing. Uh, and it, it's funny because we're all pretty similar guys. I'm a little older than you three, but we're all pretty similar guys in that we, you know, traditional family and, and we have businesses and we work hard and we, but we all had just a little different, different take on each barbecue place and what we thought was, was the best. And, and I know you were saying, Troy, that's, that's kind of one of the cool things about barbecue is, um, I thought one place was the best. You thought another place, but, 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 in the end, they were all great. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you're in Texas getting the best barbecue that really, you know, in my opinion, the world has to offer, and so we're not having bad barbecue. Even the worst place here is really, really good barbecue. Yeah, it's something that we don't get to see as often in Utah. Of course, we have high voltage that comes by from time to time, but other than that, I mean, there's it's it's rare to find great great barbecue in in utah and so to come out here at at the mecca of barbecue is surreal experience was there a highlight or beyond our snows experience with the mist rising from the ground and the smoke and beyond that was there an an experience or two this weekend try that jumped out sticks out in your mind that was the best experience and so for anybody that's going to just want to come and duplicate which I understand it's kind of rare what we're what we're doing. Then we're we're into barbecue. That's kind of our profession for for a lot of us here, and so it's our life. We we want to go and experience the best of the best, and we're willing to wait in the super long line for those that just want to come or, or happen to be coming through Austin. Then you can go to a few places and just you know you'll grab your lunch and you're not worried about the lines, and just have once again epic barbecue. We, you know, once again, being being kind of a nerd <laughs> then, uh, about barbecue, then I've, I've got a spreadsheet, a literal spreadsheet that we've been making. He does. He does. Classifying. I've seen it. Yeah, each each restaurant that we've been going to, breaking down each food. So here's the best brisket and, you know, things we liked about each of these different spots. And the overall winner, um, in the opinion of, I think, collectively of the group, um, is a place called Terry Black's Barbecue. Um, right there in, uh, right next to that downtown um, Central Austin area, that it was just amazing. They have beef ribs that were ginormous. Mm-hmm. They've got a picture of, they've got a T-shirt there with like a Chihuahua standing on on one of the beef ribs on one of their T-shirts. <laughs> They're talking about how giant they are, and uh, and they I mean, best beef rib that you could ever have, best brisket. And we're having the brisket at all of these great, great places. But overall, if you're going to come to one place, go to Terry Black's. You, you know, the funny thing about it, we waited hours and got up at an ungodly time uh, to go to Snow's. 
Terry Blacks, we, we showed up 30 minutes before they opened, and there was no line anywhere. And I actually got out of the car, and I asked someone that was sitting there, I was like, are you here for barbecue? And he says, yep, I'm here for barbecue. And I said, well, well, what, uh, you know, where's the line? He says, oh, it'll be here. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, we're all sitting in our car waiting for the line to start. And we went, I'm like, all right, we're going to be first in line. We actually got went up to the restaurant. We were the first people in line. But within, what, 10 minutes, there was 100 people behind us? Yeah. Maybe, yep. maybe maybe 20 minutes. They knew when to get there. And, uh, you know, every, everybody knows what they're getting because it's just one of those places that it's got great sides. Um, but every one of their meats is going to come out, uh, I mean, just nearly perfect as well. I don't have any complaints about my experience at Terry Black's. Real quick, your thoughts, Troy, uh, as we bring it in, and this isn't just about barbecue. I was actually, one of the reasons I wanted to come down here was to see what the culture was like here. Uh, we have uh, right now in this country a real uh, uproar about racism. Uh, I did not see any evidence of that type of stuff. I mean, there was a few BLM tags on you know downtown and stuff, but I, there were no protests. There was no rioting. There was no... Black people yelling at white people, white people yelling at black. There was none of that going on here. It was, to me, it was incredibly refreshing. Mm-hmm. Now, it's what a beautiful town of Austin. And, of course, Texas just has this great southern charm that comes along with it. But, yeah, interacting with the people down here in a limited basis. And maybe part of that's just the barbecue community that we were associating with, which tends to be a nice, laid-back, inclusive group. Yeah. Um, yeah. then, yeah, no complaints on any of that stuff. And, and masks, uh, we had one store that required masks in particular. Uh, for the most part, I would say 90% of people didn't wear masks uh, this weekend. Did you say that's about right? Yeah, and a lot of this is outside that we're eating at these barbecue joints, but sometimes you'll pop in for a little bit, and some places will require masks for a little bit while you're inside, but then, just go back outside and enjoy the beautiful weather down here. The, uh, the By the way, the surge right now in the United States is in Michigan. Michigan has one of the most strict, they've had the most one of the most strict requirements as far as masks and as far as social distancing and as far as closing businesses. They're surging right now. Texas, one of the most, I don't want to use the word liberal, but they, they've been the lightest on, on lockdowns. In fact, they were one of the first ones to lift the mask mandate. Mm-hmm. And right now, COVID is a non-factor in the state of Texas. Yeah, not the same as what you're seeing around the country. And, of course, I've got family that's in Michigan, too, and it's it's been tough. Uh, you know, it's they only have a few weeks of great weather. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They're going to miss summer and spring if, they, if they're locked down for very, very long. So, good point. Well, uh, uh, we've got about a minute left. I just wanted to thank you for including me in your, in your uh, gluttony trip. I mean, your trip, your barbecue trip down here to uh, South mm-hmm. Texas. You've helped uh, not only me uh, enjoy, obviously, some great barbecue, but to come back to the place where I grew up, uh, the town I grew up in, one of the towns I grew up, there were two of them, but one of them is like 35 miles from, from here, and we were able to kind of spend time around the area. You even got me my beloved turkey sausage. I'm glad we got to so, go get that turkey sausage. That, that was actually that was my, cool. my, my biggest requirement as far as coming down here. So I, I'm, I'll come, but i got to go to one place. Worth a trip. And, and we did it. So, uh Anyway, uh, again, thanks, everyone, for tuning in today. Thanks, Troy, and my boys across the room there, Todd and Kay, Kay, you guys. Were, thank you so much for including me. I was really, I, I, honestly, I, I felt a little intimidated this week because you guys have so much knowledge about this, you know, this stuff. And I was just, like, just sitting back there going, okay, guys, you tell me what's good because I don't even know any of this stuff. But that was a fun group. Fun I, even, I even learned what post-oak is. 
So anyway, we're out of time. Thanks for tuning into the program today, the Andy Griffin Show. I'll be back, yes, in Utah tomorrow, and we'll rejoin you then. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, goodbye from Austin, Texas.